You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. I do want to take just a second. I, if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to hit this in the beginning and then probably just move forward. But everything going on with this COVID-19 virus, uh, it's real. And uh, we're praying for you guys and we're trying to make a lot of tough, tough decisions. Uh, I hope that you'll be patient with us. Uh, if you want to know kind of our stance on the whole thing, uh, go to last week's podcast. We, we entitled it simply A Response. I talked a little bit about our church and the position of our church uh, as far as where we are and, and things that we're trying to do to reach our community. Uh, and then we also had how we can personally respond. Uh, I just think it kind of shares our heart. And, and if it's okay with you guys, I'm going to do my best to just dive into this series that we're launching today uh, called The Comeback uh, and get into God's Word and, and try to be as normal as possible uh, without at the same time being ignorant to the fact that a lot of things are changing. Uh, if you're looking for some things to do this week, uh, I want to encourage you to join with me. Uh, there's a book. You're going to see it down at the bottom. Uh, they're going to put a little link on an Amazon, but it's called Double Blessing. Just my favorite author. His name's Mark Batterson. Uh, a lot of you guys will remember going through a book with me uh, called The Circle Maker. Uh, I have read the preface, and so that's, a, that's as much as I've gotten so far. Uh, and I've got highlights all in there. I've highlighted more in that one little section than most books I read a whole time. But, but get this book. Join with me. Uh, we'll be doing some things online. Get us involved in that uh, as we start talking about this aspect of a comeback. And this aspect of a double blessing hit me because that's really our stance. We want to take the situation that we're in and not only do what God's calling us to do, but also to be a blessing to others. And I think that's kind of a great part for us to start. Can I just pray for us? And then we're going to dive into God's word in this new series. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for all those that are joining online. Thank you so much for people's patience and endurance. Lord, we do pray for those people that uh, are struggling with sickness and, and worry and anxiety and jobs and finances. Lord, there's so much stuff out there. Lord, we could literally spend the next 30 minutes just in prayer for the people that we love and the people that are around us, and for our amazing community, city, state, and country, and world. Uh, but Lord, we want to take a little bit of time and dive into your word, and to see what your word has to say, and what we're called to do personally. Uh, not necessarily with this virus, but, but on a bigger level, as far as spiritual things. Uh, Lord, may the meditations of my mouth, and the words of everything that comes out of my heart, be pleasing in your sight. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we're going to end up in Jeremiah. If you have a Bible around your house and you want to grab that, if you want to get in your phone, it's going to be Jeremiah chapter 17 when it shows up uh, and when you see some of the things that you're looking at where I really want to land. But I need to kind of set the stage. You know, we're, we're starting this new series today called The Comeback. I do want to preface it. This is something that was planned prior to this COVID-19 virus. Uh, this is not something we're trying to, to take what's going on in our world and leverage that for our own influence. Uh, we want to leverage our influence to love people, not to leverage our influence towards what's going on with this pandemic. So this was pre-thought, and we're going to continue with what God's put on our heart uh, leading up to hopefully Easter on April the 12th. But a series called The Comeback, and The Comeback is something that's, that's probably very common for a lot of us. I know a lot of us are consumed with it right now because of what's going on in our world. Uh, but you know, before there's ever a great comeback story, there's something that's always been there. Usually, especially if you love watching movies, everybody loves watching these comeback stories in a movie. And the key part of that movie is, is where it starts out, and usually it's a little bit towards the beginning, and then the whole movie's built around how the comeback takes place, and you get to that 
aha moment, that climax of the movie. But the part that really is intriguing that at the end of the movie really starts to make sense is what I call the setback. You know, for most of these movies, there's never a comeback unless there's been some sort of a, a setback. You know, in these movies, you can look at it usually one or two ways. There, usually there's something bad that's happened. There's been an injury. There's been a death. There's been a car wreck. There's been something happened that, that kind of changed life very, very quickly. Obviously, we all are understanding that right now. Uh, a setback, and all of a sudden, something catches you totally out of the blue. But, you know, there's also a concept that happens in our society a lot that, that causes this setback. And it's, and it's when we, we sit in a stage, and maybe we've walked away from something. Maybe we've, we've said, you know what, I'm done, we've retired, we've, we've put something down, and we sit in a seat and we say, you know what, I'm not done. There's something more. I still can do something more. I can still do more of what God has for me, or I can do more of a particular area. In athletics, we see people that retired. I, I think about Michael Jordan, who walked away from the game because of some some circumstances with his father and the death of his father and went and played baseball for three years and then all of a sudden he announced that he's, that he's coming back and you have that comeback story. And that's one of the things that I want us to kind of focus on because I believe setbacks usually fall in two different categories. If you're taking notes, there usually there's something really negative has happened and it set you back or you sit in a stage where you say, you know what, I believe there's more out there for me and there's something worth coming back for. No matter which way that is being leveraged in your life, I want you to know that you do have an amazing, amazing ability to have a comeback story. Now, you may already have completed your comeback. You may be in the middle of your comeback, or you may be on the just smack dab middle of the setback. You may be sitting there today and saying, oh, Mickey, you don't understand I mean, I am in the middle of the setback. Well, no matter where you are, I want you to know that this series that we're going to be in for the next four weeks is specifically for you. In fact, here's the way I'd probably want to start it. Most people's setbacks in the everyday world, like what I described earlier was more of like the movie script, and those things do happen sometimes, but for most people, for most people, the setback usually looks like this. You look back at your life, and you look at choices that you've made, and you ask one simple question. Man, what was I thinking? Like you look back, and at the time, man, you thought you were right. You thought this was good. You thought this was great. You thought this was the next step. But now, in hindsight, as people say, hindsight's 2020. It's amazing how clear our vision can be when we look back at a situation from the side of the future and we go, wow, what was I thinking? Now that question, I think, is an extremely important question. For us to really launch into this series called The Comeback, we've got to stop and look at the things that set us back. And we have to ask that personal question with those setbacks, what was I thinking? And so I want you to know, number one, if you've had one of those moments, take a deep breath, whether you're in it, through it, or in the middle of it, or it may be something that's coming, take a deep breath, exhale with me, and realize you're human. Everybody struggles. In fact, I'm going to show you in God's Word 
exactly where that comes from and why we struggle, why we get in the middle of something and all of a sudden we go, man, how did I miss that? Like, I'm, I'm for myself. Not, not for myself like pride, but, but I want what's best for my life. I want God to be glorified. I want to pursue godly things. Why do I always choose, or maybe not always, why do several times do I choose the other side of God's promises in my life, and I choose, just for lack of a better word, things that I look back and go, man, what, what was I thinking? Why did I choose that? You know, there's a very similar story that, that I want to show you that, that is really cool, and, it, and it's going to be in Jeremiah, and it really shows the way our brain's set up. See, if you're taking notes, one of the things that I want you to realize is that your brain has a way to do powerful things for your life when it comes to decisions. In fact, I will tell you this, your decisions will shape your life. In fact, the way I wrote it down in my notes is your life is shaped by the decisions that you make. Your life is shaped by the decisions that you make. So the question is like what we talked about a minute ago, then, then why am I making these decisions? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because you're human. It's because you're human. But it's more than that. See, there's a thing that, that if I can put on kind of the psychology, sociology hat for a minute, that people will talk about it. It's an amazing thing, and it's the aspect of confirmational bias is the term that they use. What that means is that you have a tendency to be the greatest salesman in your own life to yourself. You have a way, if anybody ever wants to sell you on something, nobody sells you better than you. You have a way in your brain that you go, hey, brain, I would really like blank. I want blank. That could be a relationship. That could be a purchase. That could be something that becomes addictive. But your brain then turns around and takes it. It's very smart, and it starts working this central system out to tell your body that it's no longer a want. It actually starts saying, oh, no, no, no. This is a need. And you know what we do? Whenever we just some, justify something from a want to a need, we will gravitate to that every single time. That is called confirmational bias or confirmation bias. It's when we take the things that maybe we don't necessarily need, they're just wants, they're desires, but yet we make it in our mind, we compartmentalize it, we push all the negative things that would tell us, no, that's not right, no, that's not right, and we kind of get rid of that, and we sell ourselves on ourselves, saying it's, it's, a, it's not a want, it's a need. It's something I have to have. That's the reason why some people are in the debt that they're in. Oh, but I have to have this. That's the reason why some people are on, in very destructive, very destructive relationships, toxic relationships. But you don't understand, Pastor Mickey, this person is so amazing. You just don't see it. And you know what? You're right. There's probably a lot of people in your life, whether it be relationships or purchases, that they may come to you and say, you know what, you're right, I don't see it. But you know what, you will sell yourself. You will sell yourself on stuff. You will be your world's greatest salesman to yourself. And so the question is, well, why does that happen? Well, I want to tell you a real quick story, and, and I'm going to get into God's word here in just a second, but it's from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah would have existed or living around 600 B.C. So this is... You know, a lot of times we talk about God's Word and we don't think about the historical ramifications that are going on here. But you need to know that Jeremiah was a real man. He was around the time of King Nebuchadnezzar with the Babylonian Empire. 
And Jeremiah in 600 B.C. had two different kings. You know, his job was basically as a prophet from God. He would go to the kings and he would tell the kings, hey, here's what God's word says. Here's what the, God's law says. This is what God wants for his people. And he would let them know if they're breaking it, what they needed to do to get back on track. He was a messenger. He was a prophet from God. In other words, he would go and tell these people, if you don't change your behavior, then this is what's going to happen. He was a prophet to Josiah, who is an amazing king. But most of the kings that he ended up talking to, well, to be honest with you, they weren't good kings. The two that I want to focus on actually show up starting in Jeremiah chapter 22. And we're not going to put all these scriptures up there, but you can go back and check that out. But the first king, his name was Joachim. And King Joachim was a king. He was the son of Josiah, who was a great king. But Joachim, he was not. He made some poor decisions. And the biggest decision that he made that was so detrimental to God's people is he was the king of Jerusalem, which at this particular time would have been actually Israel. Israel at this time was basically confound with these tribes and basically around the the one main city of Jerusalem. It's not Israel as we see it in today's terminology. And they were under Babylonian rule. Well, you know from reading the Old Testament a little bit, the Babylonian rule, this would be right when King Nebuchadnezzar was starting his reign. Well, King Joachim, what he decided was, you know what, I don't want to be under this anymore. So he decided that he was going to not pay the tribute or the tax to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they were going to rebel against the Babylonian Empire and become their own people. Now, that sounds great. The problem was is that at this time, it would be the equivalent, to kind of put it in perspective for you, it would be the equivalent of the smallest town in the United States deciding that they were going to go against the United States of America. It wasn't a very feasible idea. And Jeremiah the prophet went to the king, and he let him know this. And he says, what you are doing is not God's will or what God wants. And you know what he did? He totally ignored him. He totally pushed him away. Despite the fact that he was getting great advice, he totally decided not to listen and to decide what he wanted to do. He was selling himself on what he thought he needed based on what he wanted to be out from underneath that captivity. Well, the way the story goes, and you'll see it in the end of chapter 36 in Jeremiah, King Nebuchadnezzar comes in. He totally takes hold of everything that's in Jerusalem. And then he takes King Joachim. And he does what he does with all these kings when he defeats them. You know, it's kind of an amazing concept. He adds him to his king's collection. Yes, you heard me correctly. He added him to his king's collection. Some people collect baseball cards. Some people collect memorabilia. Some people collect old cars. King Nebuchadnezzar collected living kings. He would conquer these places, take the kings, back to Babylon, put them in gold chains, and then parade them around when he threw parties. And when he would parade them, it was his way of showing his power and how much he was overseeing and how this kingdom called the Babylonian Empire was expanding. But it was more than that. He would parade these living kings around to let everybody know of all the territories that he's actually created, excuse me, and the way that that's working out. But the other thing that you would see is they would be walking with one hand in front of them with the gold chains around them, holding the king in front of them. 
You say, well, Mickey, why would they do that? Because King Nebuchadnezzar would blind them. A part of adding them to the collection is not only would he conquer their kingdom, not only would he take the living king and put him in his king collection, not only would he bound them in chains, but he would also blind them as if to state that the vision that you currently had had for your kingdom has now been totally wiped away. Well, that's what he did with the king, Joachim. And then they turned around, and, and King Nebuchadnezzar, because of what was going on, he actually put in his own king. It actually shows up in Jeremiah chapter 38. I'm sorry, actually Jeremiah chapter 37 at the very beginning. And again, you can check this out, but his next king that he put in is a guy named Zedekiah. King Zedekiah, he actually appoints. King Nebuchadnezzar takes one of his own people, Zedekiah, and he puts them as the leader of the God's people. Well, you know what Zedekiah does? Very quickly, he starts thinking the same sort of thinking that end up causing Joachim just before. And he starts thinking, you know what? I'm going to pull out and I'm going to rebel against the Babylonian Empire. Well, the prophet Jeremiah again goes to Zedekiah and tells him, King, I do not think this is a wise decision. This is not God's will for his people. And Zedekiah gets so tired of hearing that that in chapter 38, he actually puts the prophet Jeremiah in a well or in a cistern. And he puts him there just so he can like just shut up. Now, I don't know about you, but, but a lot of times that describes some of my decision making. I get people giving me all kinds of feedback, and, and it's not what I want to hear. And because it's not what I want to hear, I'm just like, you know what, just get rid of the noise. Like, I get it that sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes it's not what I want to hear. But I don't want to hear it anymore, and you just want to put them in a well. Well, that story ends very much like Joachim's story ends. King Nebuchadnezzar comes back to Jerusalem. He totally conquers again, and Zedekiah tries to flee. And in the process of fleeing, he is caught by King Nebuchadnezzar's men. And not only is he blinded and put in chains, but you're going to see a scripture. A scripture that's in chapter 39. It's verses 6 and 7. And basically what those are, and you're going to see the scripture on the screen. It explains what happens. Not only does he turn around and take this king and put him in chains and blind him. But you know what the last thing that he saw? The last thing Zedekiah saw was his family, his wife and his children being murdered. See, the, the thing that's there is your decisions will pack many people. Your decisions will not only shape your life, but you know what? They shape many other people's life as well. We're seeing that right now with everything that's going on in our world with this virus. Don't you know that somebody now is thinking, you know what? Maybe bat's not the best idea. Like, if I could go back, I think about other disasters that we've seen. When I look at some of, the, like, the California fires, don't you know there's people that are going, wow, I, I wish I would have tried harder to put out that campfire. Or I wish I wouldn't have thrown that cigarette bud out the window. Like, we have a way of looking back at some of the decisions that we made that end up being a major setback, and we go, my goodness, what was I thinking? I think that's exactly what King Zedekiah was thinking. I think that in that moment when he sees the last thing, imagine this, the last thing that he saw with his physical eyes was his wife 
and children being murdered for a decision that he made. His decision cost his family their life. And I believe at that moment he was thinking, man, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I listen to this prophet Jeremiah? Why didn't I make better decisions? Well, Jeremiah actually, in chapter 17, gives us the answer to this. And before I get into that, I want to just pause for a minute. At no point am I trying to, to use some of the things that we're dealing with right now in our society to leverage to get to you emotionally. But I want you to understand, even though we're doing this online and I'm not able to, to really read you and look at you, I want you to understand that, that number one, you're loved, but I want you to know that, that I want you to think about this from an emotional standpoint. Do you know that psychologists say when it comes to your decisions, that if it wasn't for your emotions, you literally wouldn't have the ability to make a decision? People say, don't make an emotional decision. I don't know if that's possible. Most people make most of their decisions based out of emotions. In fact, our emotions are usually what governs the way we make our decisions. But the question is, how can we leverage God's word and God's people and God's promises for us to help balance out where our emotions are? How can we leverage what God's wanting us to do so that we don't let our emotions make an emotional decision that leads to a setback, but that we can have a life that exemplifies that of a comeback, something that's exceeding. In fact, if you look at our image that we've got, when we got this boxing ring and we're saying it's the comeback, the reason why we have that image is because everybody that's ever experienced a setback is a lot like that boxer in a ring that's been knocked out. You know, before you can ever have a comeback, the first thing you've got to do is make a decision to get up. You know, I, <laughs> Rocky's one of my favorite movies, and it's a comeback story, and it's about a you know, a small-town guy out of Philadelphia, the unknown guy, the, the Italian stallion. It's one of my favorite movies, though, not because of that. It's one of my favorite movies simply because of just personal choice. And this may seem silly to some of you guys, but if you know me, you'll know what I mean. I love Rocky because I love the trainer, and I love the fact that his name's Mick. I identify with him. And I love the fact that when Rocky got knocked down, that Mick's in that corner and he's screaming, get up, get up, get up, you dirty bum, get up. And I want you to know that today, that, that's what I want you to do. You know, this ain't a movie. You know, what's going on in our world, it, it is crazy. But I want you to know I love you. And I'm in your corner. God's in your corner. His word is very clear. And he's screaming that you're set back. You don't have to stay there. You got to get up. You got to get up. You say, Mickey, but if I get up, I'm just going to go back. You know, I feel like a lot of times my life is a, is a one step forward, two step back. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at God's word and see why that's like that. But before we can do anything, can you help me today? Whether you're sitting at a kitchen table, if you're sitting on your couch, if you're still laying in your bed, if you're watching this online later on, not on Sunday morning, whatever it may be, you have got to make a decision. I have got to make a decision. Our country has to make a decision. Our world has to make a decision that we're not going to stay down. We're going to respect authorities. We're going to expect, we're going to respect God's word. We're going to allow God to be the Lord of our lives. But we're also going to say, you know what, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up. I'm not going to let a setback be a grave. 
See, if, if you stay there, it's a grave. If you get up, it's only a setback. But you say, well, Mickey, why do we do that? You know, I mean, I'm for myself. I mean, I, I actually, like, I want godly things in my life. Why is it that I find myself lying to myself? Why is it that I find myself struggling with decisions? Why do I find myself in like this repeat cycle of what seems like setbacks? Why is it that I, I pay off all of this credit card debt just to turn around and run up more credit card debt? Why is it do I get out of one toxic relationship to go jump into another toxic relationship? Why is it that I get out of one addiction to turn around and go jump into another addiction? Why is it that I just, I feel like I'm in this whirlwind, this cycle. Why do I keep, like I, I want God to do something. Why is it? Well, listen to what Jeremiah says. It actually precedes the story of those two kings. And it tells you why they weren't going to listen. It's in chapter 17, verse 9. And you're going to see it on your screen. It starts off with this. The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things. See, you need to understand, and I have to understand, that no matter where you're at in life, we hear, you know, trust your heart. Trust your heart. Well, you better be careful. Because your heart, it doesn't say it's dishonest. If it was saying your heart is dishonest, well, we could recognize that. You know, when you give me something that's dishonest or it's a lie, I can very quickly say, oh, that's wrong. I'm not doing that. But if it's deceitful, that means that I have a hard time recognizing when it's wrong. That's what the scripture's saying. You know what those kings that end up costing them their lives? You know the sad part about that story is they thought they were making the right decision. I'm just going to trust my heart. You better be careful. Because when your heart's only your heart, if God's not Lord of your life, if his spirit doesn't dwell in you, if you're not letting his spirit live inside you and dwell in you, I know that seems kind of crazy. I don't mean to make that sound so mystical. Scripture says that when we accept Christ, that, that he puts his spirit, his spirit is our helper. We can allow him to help guide us. Then it's a little bit different. But before that, you know what? As long as you lean on your own understanding, Scripture says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads in destruction. Can I put it a little bit simpler for this series? There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to a setback. It leads to a setback. Yeah, it will lead to destruction if you allow it. But amazingly enough, if you're hearing my voice today, it doesn't have to be destruction. It can actually be just a setback. But it doesn't stop there. If you keep reading in chapter 9, or in verse 9 of chapter 17, not only does it say the heart is deceitful in all things, but it says, and desperately sick. If you look at the NIV and a lot of different other translations, it'll say, it's uncurable. You're like, well, that's just great. So now you're telling me not to be careful about my heart, but my heart is so wicked. Some of the translations will say wicked, that, and it's uncurable. What it's talking about is the aspect of sin and the fact that we have a way of being our own greatest salesman. You know, if, if we were to think about it, there's a lot of things that you do on a regular basis that you will choose, and it shows where your heart is. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, I, I wrote a few things down. If you don't mind, I would love to share just a couple of things. You know, a couple of things that I wrote down is, is the fact that you will usually choose, for example, happy over healthy. You know, if you just trust you, you'll choose happy over healthy. 
For example, most of you would sit there and say, yes, I would love to be in shape. The problem is what? You like dessert. And you will choose a piece of dessert, happy, over being healthy. You will choose your pleasure over self-control. You say, Mickey, why? Because the heart is deceitful in all things, and it's uncurable. It's the way it's like. In fact, if you read the end of that, it says one more thing. Not only is it uncurable, it says, and who can understand it? Who can understand it? You know, that's what's so funny to me when people want to talk about emotions and talk about love. Well, help me understand it. Help me understand the heart of man. Help me understand the heart of women. Help me understand the heart of humans. You know what? It's not possible. Because our hearts are deceitful above all things. They can deceive us. And it's uncurable. You have to understand that. So when you're getting ready to make a decision, you have to understand that if you're selling yourself really hard on something, there's probably a reason why. You know, like you need to understand that if I'm really like, if I see my professional salesman side come out and I'm trying to sell myself on something, that should be a red flag for me to say, hang on, do I really need this? Is this a want or is this a need? In fact, it's uncurable, it's hard to understand, but there is a way to combat it. See, there's this amazing thing that will combat deceitfulness. It's called truth. If we would get in the habit of asking one simple question to ourselves on a regular basis, it would really help us in getting to the comeback. And it's simply this. Are we willing, are we willing to be honest with ourselves? Even if the truth hurts our feelings. You know, I, I've done a lot of things with self-leadership. I'm really intrigued with just the leadership concept. And one of the first of a couple of mandates is that one exact phrase, that in order to lead yourself well, you have to make a decision that you'll be honest with yourself even when the truth hurts your feelings. And so one of the ways you can do it is you can look back to some of these setbacks. And I think it's important. I think it's important, all of us, have probably had setbacks in our life. And to ask the question, what really happened? Not what my personal opinion, like not what I have sold, not what I've justified. You know, that's the way we work, isn't it? We'll take a need and we will justify it. I'm sorry, we'll take a want. We'll take a want and our brains will justify it to a point that it becomes a need. You guys talking about desserts earlier. Obviously, you can look at me and say that I, I, I like dessert. You know, and I run. You know, one of the things that I do, think about how crazy this is. In my mind, I'll sit down and eat something I shouldn't eat, especially dessert. I mean, I love candy. Easter time. Easter candy is the best candy in the world, isn't it? All those, those little chocolate peanut butter eggs, dear Jesus, keep me from those things. I can literally eat them by the bunches. And those little malt eggs, and I, cranberry eggs or cranberry eggs or however you say it, those things are terrible. Stay those away from me. I don't know how people eat those. Jelly beans, not a fan, but all those other, man, I love them. And I can sit and eat all of them. And you know what I do? Here's how I justify it in my mind. Well, you know, I've started running again. And since I'm running, you know, I'm going to reward myself. And I'm going to put something in my body that is detrimentally opposed to the reason why I'm running. And we wonder why we feel like our life is 
one step forward, two steps back. You know, it's kind of like the saying, you know, I've seen so many comedians make this joke, it's hilarious. But they talk about somebody going up to McDonald's. And they're like, hey, I'd like the supersized Big Mac meal with double fries. And I also like to add an extra quarter pounder. And I want one of those apple pies. But hey, I'm trying to watch my weight. Can you give me a Diet Coke? As if that just justified every single thing that you ordered. And we do the same thing in our own life. And that's the why we find ourselves constantly in what seems to be setbacks. So today, what I want you to do, now listen to me. I'm not asking you to even act on this. So just for prefaces, just, just to make sure we're on the same page. I'm not asking you to do anything about this. But I want you to make a commitment as we go into this series that you will be honest with yourself even if the truth, well, not only do you not like it, it kind of hurts a little bit. I'm not saying you got to do anything with it. But will you learn to let the truth fight for itself? See, that's the cool part. Talking about all this selling stuff and the way you're selling yourself on different things. You know one thing I never have to sell myself on? Great ideas. When something's great, it just seems so simple, doesn't it? I don't have to start to justify it. I don't have to try to rearrange it. I don't have to try to make it fit. Like when it's right, it's right. You know, I think that's what Scripture's talking about in John chapter 8. You'll see the Scripture come up. Can I turn there real quick? John chapter 8, it's Jesus. It's, it's a very familiar verse that you've heard many people quote. A lot of politicians will quote this, yet they don't give Jesus credit for it. And it's simply Jesus saying this, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. See, I think it's stream, extremely important for us to learn to be truthful with ourselves. So that we can stop this, this constant, what feels like a setback. In fact, can I read directly out of my notes to make sure that I read this correctly? Here, here was the aha moment for me in preparing. If, if we don't learn to be truthful with ourselves, there can never be a comeback. Just a one step forward two-step back type of life. If you do not learn to be truthful with yourself and to get away from all the justifications and to ask yourself, what is it really? What is it really? Then I don't think you'll ever see the comeback. You're going to be one of those people that live that life of one step forward, two steps back. And you're going to find yourself going, man, what was I thinking? You know, I'm looking forward to the way we dive into God's Word. I'm looking forward to seeing everything that He has planned for us with this concept of the comeback. I'm looking forward and praying to see how our world and how our country and how our city responds as God starts to do the miraculous and we see vaccines that are created and different things taking place and, and running to the people. I'm looking forward to seeing all those things. But I'm really consumed with where you are. Like I want to try to be careful this morning because I want this to be an encouragement. You know, now's not the time to be like, put, I mean like nobody needs to be pressed down any further. But I want you to sit down and think and ask yourself some questions. And again, you don't even have to respond to these this week. 
But I want you to go back and, and ask some questions and just say, what's the truth? What really is the reason why I did that? It may be a substance abuse that you still struggle with. It could be something as major as illegal drugs and something as simple as, you know, a cigarette. What's really the reason? That bad relationship that you've been struggling with, what's, what's really the issue? Are you trying to force something? Is the reality is that it's not really in God's will, but you just, you know, it's, you know, it's hard, isn't it? You know, not, not only do you feel like you're losing a person that's a part of your life, but you feel like you're losing a part of you. But if it's not the truth, if it's not what God wants, and I'm not here to tell you, I just know that we have to deal with these setbacks. I know this, until we address our setbacks, we're never going to see a comeback. So take time. Think through this. Ask yourself those tough questions. See what's really going on in your life. Put on the goggles of God's word. Put on the goggles of, of people that have poured into your life that are godly wisdom. And rather than trying to justify all the reasons why you've been doing what you're doing, maybe come from the perspective of, you know what, it's time for me to learn to be honest with myself and to quit selling myself on stuff that's only going to set me back. Man, I love you. I am so glad that you joined us this morning. And I look forward to everything. I look forward to when they give us all the thumbs up for us to come back together. But until then, please, will you do me a favor? Will you pray for your leadership? Will you pray for wisdom as we still do our best to have wisdom and integrity and submit to the appropriate authorities, but still love people well and go and meet their needs? Will you help us to help people not look at the setback, but to get ready for a comeback? And will you do that by allowing yourself to get ready too? If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.